Let's open our Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, I want to ask you a question. Did, have, you any, have any of you ever missed the bus? Been waiting for the bus and you missed the bus? Any of you? I mean, we don't have a lot of, uh, you know, public transportation kinds of things happening around here, but, you know, from time to time in your lives, you know, that, that happens. And, and uh, they say that one of, the, um, one of the most common dreams, they call them stress dreams, they're really like nightmares, is when you're, you know, you're, you're running to catch the bus and it just drives off without you, right? And that's like, a, have any of you had that dream? Some of you. <laughs> so uh, I was thinking about this, and, and many years ago, we lived in England, and uh, <clears throat> we, we just got over there, and we hadn't been there very long, so we didn't really know that much, and uh, we still don't know that much, really, but we, we got over there, and, and we didn't have a car yet, and you know they drive on the other side of the street, right? The, what we call the wrong side of the street. They would call it the right side, but... We drive on the right side. They drive on the wrong side. And so we hadn't been there, like I said, very long, but we, are, we had to go somewhere, so we went to catch this bus, and, and we're waiting at the bus stop, right? We're waiting and waiting, and then all of a sudden, we see the bus drive by, but he's on the other side of the street. <laughs> we are waiting on the bus stop, but we're on the wrong side of the street. So we missed the bus. And then we, we kind of looked around to make sure nobody saw us, and we went to the other side of the street. <laughs> Have you ever done anything stupid? <laughs> the wrong side of the street. It can be very discouraging, though. I remember like being in airports at different times where you see people that, that are like running through the airport. I've done that, too, where I'm, you know, the, the, the plane is late, and so I'm running to catch that next flight. I don't want to miss that flight. Any of you ever done that? Like that, you get there in your heart. One time I remember my heart, I'm waiting in line now. I made it in time. And my heart is just like beating out of my chest. I thought, oh, great, this is going to be great. I'm going to have a heart attack right here in the airport in line. So what if I made the flight? I'll be dead. <laughs> but I didn't miss it. I made it. There's something about our passage today that talks about the second coming of Jesus the second coming of Christ, and the, the question I want to ask you today is, did you miss it? And there's some confusion in the world and confusion in, even in the church, really, and, and that's why Paul is writing to the Thessalonians that, to straighten some things out. But I think there's some things we can learn from that, too. This idea of the second coming of Jesus, he talks about it in First and Second Thessalonians, it's like the the biggest thing that he's talking about, the most important thing that he's talking about. And you and I need to be in tune with the second coming of Jesus. It's our blessed hope. That's why we sang that song. And, and the thing about it is that it's never late. We wonder, like, why hasn't it come yet? But it's never late. But you and I need to be ready and waiting for it, watching for it. Jesus talked about it. He says there's really only one bus. He didn't use that terminology, but that's what he was saying. There's only one bus that's going to get you there, right? John 14, he says, he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through him. But before that, I love these words he says in John 14. One, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. 
If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. That's what he's talking about. That's what we're talking about, the second coming of Jesus, that he can get us, that he can take us to be with him, that we'll be forever with him. We talked about heaven and hell uh, recently and you know, being separated from him, which is hell, but being with him forever is heaven. So let's look at these verses here, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says in verse 1, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Let's pray. Father, we, pr- we thank you for your word. We pray our hearts, our minds, our ears would be open. By your Spirit, help us, Lord, to hear what the Spirit says to the church today. In Jesus' name, amen. He says here in in these first couple of verses that we really shouldn't freak out, that we really shouldn't be alarmed, we really shouldn't be discouraged because the rapture and the second coming of Jesus has not occurred yet. He's telling them that. You and I need to know that, that, that it hasn't happened yet. They say, well, I didn't think it had happened yet, but there are a bunch of people who do believe it has happened. They would say, you know, that the, that the uh, time has already come. We're already in the day of the Lord. We're actually now in the tribulation. Now, you, you might think, well, yeah, it is pretty bad, this world we're living in. And there's a lot of bad stuff going on in this world. That's, we can all agree on that, right? But that's not the tribulation. That's nothing compared to the great tribulation that the Bible talks about. When you read in the book of Revelation and other places, it's nothing in comparison to that. So there are some some events that are, you know, the Bible talks about different events. We looked in 1 Thessalonians uh, and we saw that, that this event called the rapture. I just mentioned the great tribulation. Then there's the time when Jesus physically returns to the earth. And then there's a period of time called the millennium. These are all things that will occur, that will take place. You know, one of the things that people do is they kind of spiritualize everything and they kind of say it's a kind of a spiritual thing that happened. You say, well, you know, I don't believe any of that stuff. Well, there are people that do. Uh, this, uh, in the TruthQuesters, uh, off, uh, TruthQuesters.com, it says, is there a number, a number, I'll learn how to talk one of these days, There are a number of sizable cults or faiths that that believe exactly that notion that the second coming has already happened. Man, is that discouraging? How could, you know, why would you want to believe that for one thing? Because that's discouraging, like, man, so this is heaven? So this is like the good stuff? This is Jesus here with us now? Some groups that believe that, number one, the Jehovah's Witnesses. In their view, Jesus returned in a spiritual manner in 1914, and the world is living in the so-called last days and awaiting 
Armageddon and the subsequent, subsequent millennium. 1914, Jesus came. Did, didn't you guys know that? He's already, he's already here. He already came. He just was kind of spiritual. It was kind of secret, kind of quiet. But when I read my Bible, when these things happen, they're cataclysmic. You talk about the rapture. You talk about when Jesus comes and, and physically comes onto the Mount of Olives and radical things happen. The rapture, when, when people are caught up to Him, you don't think everybody's not going to know that something happened? It's not going to be like some hidden secret thing. What we look forward to is going to be radical, but it's going to be awesome and incredible. The Baha'i faith, you've heard of that? It says, their great patron and teacher and guiding light, Baha'u'llah, says, is revered as the promised second coming, the reincarnation of Christ. Baha'u'llah. Well, where is Baha'u'llah anyways? Because I, I haven't heard of him. I haven't seen him anywhere helping this world out at all. Not much hope there. There's a group called the Preterists. This is in the Christian faith, Preterists. You can look that up. And they believe that the end times writings of the New Testament were all fulfilled in 70 A.D. 70 A.D., when the temple was sacked, when Jerusalem was wiped out, the temple was torn down. It all happened then. Wow. That's really encouraging. Not, I'm looking forward to Jesus returning. I'm looking forward to Him coming for me. That's what He says here, isn't it? Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus, our being gathered to Him. Don't become easily unsettled or alarmed by what people might say and teach. Keep your eyes up. The second coming. You're not going to miss it if you're keeping an eye out. If you're waiting for that, that bus, that transportation, that, that arrival. It'll be known. It's not going to be a secret coming. Paul talked in 2 Timothy, he says, uh, of this group that we're, we're teaching. It says, their teaching will spread like gangrene. That's descriptive. He says, among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. We've already got it here. It's already all happened. There's a, there's a group that, you know, the theology is called Kingdom Now Theology, that it's all going to happen right now. You and I are going to make it all happen right now. We're going to make the kingdom happen. Really? That's kind of scary, because it's not happening. I'm not seeing it happen. Yeah, we, we are called to be light in the world, and it's a very dark world, but I don't see God you know, setting up His kingdom yet. He's going to, though. But we don't have to kind of like force it to happen. He's going to do it Himself, and we're going to just worship Him and, and say, wow, that's incredible, that's awesome. Saying the resurrection has already taken place. It's all happened. You know, that new bodies. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't got the new body yet. No comments from you about my body. Okay. Because that goes two ways. You start in on me, I'm going to start in on you. He says there in, in verse 3, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. 
Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. that You say, well, you know, how could I be deceived? Well, why would he warn us about this? There are so many passages that say, don't watch out for false teaching. Watch out for people who come and deceive, who's gonna, who are going to twist the truth and change it. And most of the time they do that, Paul said in Acts chapter 20, so they can have disciples come after them, so they can have people be their disciples. That's scary. To be a man's disciple, you need to be a, a disciple of Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. He says, don't follow people, follow me. And so for you and I, be careful. Jesus said, I'm going to come back for you. I'm preparing a place for you, and when I come back, you're going to know it. Don't let anyone deceive you. Jesus said it himself in Mark 13, I quote, Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. He said, for that day will not come until, and then, he, and then he lists a whole bunch of things, which I'll read to you in a minute. There are some things that must precede some of these events that take place, and that will take place. And Paul, here in this passage that we're looking at today, he's quoting, or we're, we're looking at some of the things that he writes to us. Some things that will proceed, some things we have to look out for. Look there in, in, um, in verse 3 in the middle of it. He says, don't let anyone deceive you, for that day will not come, what? Until, number one, the rebellion occurs. The rebellion occurs. There are some things that will happen, and, and some versions translate it the falling away. The, the literal word, the Greek word is apostasy. Until that apostasy comes, that whole scale, as someone uh, mentions it, the whole scale turning away from the Christian faith. Apostasy. Jesus talks about it in, in chapter 24 of Matthew. He says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. You say, well, I, I don't quite see that yet. Maybe not, but do you see an inkling of it? Even in the Christian, quote-unquote, Christian church in America, kind of a turning away towards certain, you know, away from the, the bedrock principles of the faith. There was a guy who was very, very popular. His name was Rob Bell. How many of you heard of him? He was very, very popular. People were loving what he was teaching and stuff. And all of a sudden, he comes out with a book called Love Wins. I don't mind saying it publicly. I haven't written any books, so you can't say anything about my books. But, but he says in this book, Love Wins, basically that in the end, love wins out and everybody will be saved. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says those who trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be saved. He kind of faded away, but, but there are all, all kinds of other strange teachings that come up. Kind of, you know, the emergent church, we're kind of just going to go towards what feels right. There's no, there's no truth. There's no fixed truth. It's what you feel is the truth. Well, if we, if we did that here today, I don't know how many people are here, about 500 or so. <laughs> no, just kidding for those of you watching. Um, I think it's more like 600. But <laughs> if, we, if we did a survey and, and asked everyone, what do you feel is the truth today? We would have every imaginable kind of truth. But the problem is that it's not truth. 
It's feeling. It's some kind of idea that we came up with that we feel is right. But, but the bedrock truth is what God declares in the Word, in the Scripture. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that we may not, you know, they're minor, secondary issues. And we, we're not going to agree about everything, about some of those secondary issues. But the, some of the bedrock things about who Jesus Christ is, I was speaking with some folks this week about, you know, where do all the cults go wrong? Number one thing where the cults go wrong is who Jesus Christ is. They say he was just a prophet, he was just a teacher, he was a man, he had a lot of good things to say, but he wasn't God. He wasn't God the Son come down from heaven. Once you leave that aside, you have got nothing. Because if he was just a man, he couldn't die for your sin. He had to die for his own. He was the Savior, the perfect sinless sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And if he wasn't God come down, the perfect man, God-man, he could not have died for your sin. The falling away from the bedrock, the foundational truths of the Scripture. Watch out, it's happening. I've seen it happening over the last, say, 10, 15 years. You know, you go to a church and you might see a lot of videos. You might see a lot of stories. You might hear a lot of stories. You might see a lot of stuff going on, but did they get you to the Bible at all? Did you read the Bible or did you just kind of skim over it, Bible light? Because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to, you know, get anybody freaked out. Paul here, he says, the only way you're going to freak out, you're only you're going to not freak out is by knowing what the truth is. That's how you're not going to freak out. But if you don't know the truth, you're going you're gonna to be pushed all around. So number one, this, this apostasy is going to take place. When is that going to start? When, when is it going to be in full force? God knows. We don't know for sure. But it's one of the things that will occur preceding. The second one here, he talks about the man of lawlessness. See that in, in that same verse? The man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. The man of lawlessness, what do we call him? We have a few other names for him. The Antichrist, the beast in Revelation chapter 13. There's going to be this world leader who's going to rise. John talks about it in 1 John chapter 2. He says, he says that, dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, and this is the way, this is how we know it is the last hour. He says there were already antichrists coming, but there's going to be one antichrist that's going to come. He's going to come on the scene. He's going to do all kinds of things. We're going to talk a little bit about him today and then more when we finish uh, this section next week or the week after. This antichrist. Jesus uh, I want to finish that quote I mentioned in Mark chapter 13. He says, watch out, no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. It hasn't come yet. It hasn't happened yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. All these things are going to happen preceding, coming up to it. But, he's, but, but what he says, many were, were going to come and claiming, I am he. 
And this is what we see here about this one we call the Antichrist. Look at verse 4. It says he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. He lifts himself up to be worshipped. That's what Jesus said. Watch out. And they come and say, look, I, you know, I've got all the answers here. He actually opposes God, though. He's fighting against God. And then in the end, he's lifting himself up above God. Revelation chapter 13, I'll quote in verses 5 and 6, it says, The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies. Proud words and blasphemies. Lifting himself up. I'm the one. I'm going to solve all these problems. I want worship too. And that's what it says here in the last part of the verse. Verse 4, it says that, he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. He sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. You see, the Antichrist is one that he's totally, completely inspired by Satan. Because Satan, this is what Satan wanted. He wanted to lift himself up. He wanted to worship. He wanted to take the place of God. Isn't that interesting, though? It says that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Again, Paul is, is trying to explain to them, listen, it's not, been some, it's not some secret little thing that happened that you don't know about in 1914. This is something that radically, truly happens. This is a place that will, will actually exist. I, <clears throat> I'm fascinated, really, by... <clears throat> this idea about the temple because, <clears throat> you know, when you go to Jerusalem and, and you, or if you look at pictures of the old city in Jerusalem and, and what's called the Temple Mount, right? I, I should have brought some pictures for you today. But you look at the Temple Mount and, and really what stands out there? What, what, do you, what comes to your mind? The dome. There's two domes, the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque. The two domes there, the, one, the bright, you know, colored uh, uh, dome. And, and really, that's what you see. But, but you know, we've been up there. We, we have been up there uh, numerous times. And, and uh, it's kind of a weird, it's weird up there. It's very weird. It's controlled by the, the Muslims are up there. And, the, and they, they get angry. They got angry at us last time. We were there yelling at us to get off, get out. Time's up. But look at this verse here. And, and, and there are other places that talk about the temple, that the temple will be there. Say, well, how can that possibly be? There's this dome of the rock. And, and I saw an interesting thing on uh, PBS, you know, talking about Jerusalem. But there's this little, they call it the dome of the rock because there's like a piece of rock underneath of it. And, they, and, and you can, you're not allowed, we are not allowed, if you're not Muslim, you're not allowed to go in there, first of all. When I first went to the uh, Temple Mount years ago, I was allowed to go into the Al-Aqsa Mosque, but they stopped that. Now you're not allowed to go in any one at all. But in the Dome of the Rock, there's, a, there's a, an outcrop of rock, and you can look this up, and you can see it, and the, the mosque was built around this outcrop, outcropping of rock. That's why they call it the Dome of the Rock. But, but the question is, and, and, and the age-old question is, where exactly was the temple? Was it there? And as some believe, many believe actually, the temple was right there. That's where the Holy of Holies was, right there where that rock outcropping is. I'll get more to, back to that in a second, but I wanted to, to tell you about this. This is, 
this is very interesting. Uh, I, 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 uh, I read about this. Uh, you, know, you all know what crowdfunding is? You all know what crowdfunding is? No. Jim knows. Okay, if you want to know, just ask Jim. If you want to know anything about the end times, ask Jim. No. Crowdfunding is, uh, there are a couple, there's probably more than the two I know about. One's called Kickstarter and the other one's called Indiegogo. And basically you come up with a vision or a plan and you get a crowd of people to help support your project. Or uh, people are doing it now to record albums or to start businesses or all kinds of different things. And it's a, it's a way to raise funds, a way to, way to raise money. So um, there's a group in, in Jerusalem in the old city, and they're called the Temple Institute, right? Well, they have done a crowdfunding on Indiegogo. You can look it up. It's fascinating. And they're trying to raise $100,000. You say, well, that $100,000 isn't going to be enough, but that's just for the first little step. But you see, they're using the common, the current technology now to help do this because their goal is to rebuild the temple. They've been working on this for years and years and years and years. Let me read to you a few quotes from the, uh, from the Indiegogo. Their, their first line is, are you ready? They said, the second, the second line is, are you ready for the peace we all long for in the Middle East? Because they believe that by rebuilding this temple, this is all going to bring together a world peace and, and, and make it all happen. And, and, and you can study and read about the Antichrist having some kind of, some part in that, having, helping to you know, establish that, put that whole package together. The Temple Institute, it says there, is located in the old city of Jerusalem. It's a research organization dedicated to the preparing for the construction of the third temple, including the recreation of 60 sacred temple vessels ready for use once the temple is rebuilt. They've already been working on all those things. They already have most of that stuff ready. So when that building is built, all the, the uh, utensils, all the stuff that goes in there, it's all ready to go. Just move it right in. It's ready. Say, so what does that have to do with anything? Well, that's confirming what Paul's writing about here, that the Antichrist is going to set himself up in God's temple. Well, it's not there yet. It's not there yet. But keep your eye on Jerusalem. You know, this program, I didn't agree with the, kind of a lot of the, uh, the bias that was in this program, but, but the title of the program was Jerusalem, the center of the world. Jerusalem, the center of the world. And I think we, we need to keep our eyes on Jerusalem because it is crazy. It is the center of the world. And, and, and some guy that would rise up and say, I've got the answer now to put this all together. They talk about the money and everything, and, and uh, they say at the end, they say some myths that the temple will come down miraculously from the sky or the temple will be achieved through violence. These are the myths, they quote. And the temple will be open to limited Jewish groups. But they say the fact is this, the third temple will be built through human effort. That's interesting. In the natural course of human events, as predicted by the prophets, the holy temple stands for the sanctity of human life and peace and will be the center of an inspiring pilgrimage for all people. Whoa. Wow. You know, 
I guess, I guess we could look at it, let's send them money so that the temple can rebuild so God can, you know, his whole program can continue on and we can get, we can, you know, get this show on the road kind of thing, right? Make sure the bus comes. So if you want, if you want to give some money to that, go ahead. It's okay with me. One more thing I want to mention about this before I close uh, as we look at this idea of the temple you know, there, like I said, there are many that believe that it's right there, that under the Dome of the Rock. So there's a big problem with that, right? If it's not going to be achieved through violence, then how are you going to get that out of there? Well, they say, well, we're going to, we're going to pick up that building and we're going to move it somewhere else. But there's another guy. His name is uh, Asher Kaufman. Dr. Asher Kaufman says he is, he's, num- he's one of a number of Jewish, and this is quoting from John Corson, He says, a number of Jewish archaeologists who contend the Dome of the Rock Mosque does not sit on the site of the Holy of Holies as previously believed. The actual Holy of Holies lies beneath a little gazebo-like structure called the Dome of the Tablets and the Dome of the Spirits. We've seen it. There's a tiny little dome, and it's it's open. There's no walls around it or anything. We've been there, and it's a a tiny little uh, spot there where it's stone. But he says that this is where it would be. He says, let me solve this sticky issue. The Palestinian problem, the question of Jerusalem, the Antichrist will say. Jews, you build your temple on the true side of the temple, and we'll build a wall to separate it from the Muslim Dome of the Rock Mosque. He said, Ezekiel prophesied this very thing would happen. Ezekiel 42.20, and you go back and look at it, and it talks about a wall being there. It says, in this, in this way, Antichrist will seemingly solve the problem that has troubled and divided Jerusalem for centuries. The people will say, he's wonderful. He's our hero. And then in the midst of his popularity, the Antichrist will walk into the temple and demand to be worshipped, showing himself that he is God. And the horrific second half of the seven-year tribulation will follow. Well, first of all, I don't plan on being here during the tribulation period as, as uh, we looked at in the first, uh, first Thessalonians. But some of these things that are building up, and, if, and if, to, to understand that, and I, I think he's got some merit. I think his research has got some merit about where the temple can be possibly rebuilt, because there's a whole big section there that, that is far enough away, and they could build a little wall right there. Interesting, isn't it? So, one man said this, certain events must take place first. He said the rapture, the falling away, a wholesale abandonment of Christianity, then a great world figure figure will arise, the Antichrist. Keep our eyes open. Did you miss the bus? I want to say, no, you didn't miss it, not yet doesn't matter what people think. But I want to say this, you got to make sure you got the right ticket. And, and also, I want, to, I want to say make sure that you're on the right side of the street waiting for the bus. As I said earlier, the only way is to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that He is the hope. His coming, Him, Himself, not some weird, strange doctrines. Luke chapter 21, uh, verse 28 says this, Now when these things begin to happen, 
Look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. When you see these things begin to happen, look up. Lift up your head. God's coming. Jesus is returning. Will it happen during our lifetime? I sure hope it will. Can I predict? No, I don't know. But there's certainly some interesting things happening in the world. But, but all in all, you and I need to not let our hearts be troubled and trust in God, knowing, trust in Jesus as well, knowing that He's, gonna, he's going, He's went there to prepare a place for us and He's going to come back so that we can be with Him forever. After church, there was a young girl who had been taught about the second coming in the Sunday school. And she asked her mother, she says, Mommy, do you believe that Jesus will come back? Yes, she said. Could he come back this week? Yes, she said. Today, could he come back today? Yes, she said. Could he come back in the next hour? Yes. Could he come back in the next few minutes? She said, yes, dear. And the little girl answers, Mommy, would you comb my hair? You don't know. Well, let's be ready, right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word and the challenge and the truth that's there. Father, may we be tied into the truth and not some strange, weird things that this world would say. And even the world around us that would say that there's no such thing. There's no such thing as Jesus. What are you waiting for? we got to do it. we got to make it happen ourselves. But yet our only hope is that blessed hope of Jesus' return, the glorious appearing of our Lord, our God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We look to you, Lord. We look around the world, and, and there, are, there are many signs, and, and uh, we could, we could uh, surmise that some of them are leading up to this period of time. So, but, Lord, what's most important is for us to be ready no matter what to keep our eyes up, looking up. Not looking at the things of this world, but looking up to you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, we pray for each one of our hearts today that we could be all that you want us to be during this time of waiting, that we could be useful, that we could be a part of your plan and your purpose, like we heard Justin talk about the, the body, being that part of the body that you've made us to be. And we pray also as well, Lord, that, that the, the light of the gospel, the light of the truth of the gospel that Jesus came to save the first time he came and that all who believe and trust in him would not perish but have everlasting life, that we would let that message be known. God, put, it, put a burden in our hearts, Lord, to let people around us know that there's only one hope, and it's Jesus. There's only one way to be saved, and it's Jesus. Maybe some, maybe one or more of you here today are, are facing that question. How can I be saved? How can I find hope? It's, it's found in Jesus, and all you need to do today is believe and trust in Him. I want to give you that opportunity right now that you wouldn't leave here not knowing that your future is secure, that your eternity is, has been purchased by the blood of Jesus, and all you need to do is trust Him, believe, and receive the gift that he is offering to you today, that Jesus offers you his life, his death, and his resurrection.
and all you need to do is receive it, accept it, and say, I, I believe and I receive today. And Jesus said, you will have eternal life, everlasting life. Father, thank you for this group. We do pray another prayer for the festival. God, that that would be just a glorious time of the light shining out brightly and, and through us, Lord. And we pray that you protect us from the attacks of the enemy even this week that would keep us from serving you. Because the enemy can read that sign out there. Lord, protect us from the enemy that we might boldly proclaim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, shall we?